Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com, where new subscribers receive my 151 tips for your career success. My co-host, Linda Venny, is unable to join us today as she's dealing with a sick child, so we're going to miss her. Uh, but the first order of business is a great big thank you to the sponsors of the Paralegal Voice. NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing uh, continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. Redacted from Informative Graphics Corporation, Automatic redaction for your digital documents. Find out more at redact.com. And above all legal, a new online job board for the legal community. You can find out more about above all legal at abovealllegal.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you're going to find helpful for your career and your everyday jobs. We also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. And on today's show, the focus is on service of notice on parties to litigation. An example of service is a summons and complaint that provides notice to a party that it's being sued. And the requirements for service are really challenging, and it's crucial that paralegals follow procedural rules very carefully. Usually a law firm will hand off documents to a process server who takes care of this service, but locating a process server who will do this promptly and ethically is very important. Fortunately for Paralegal Voice listeners, we have a guest today who will provide some great information for locating a process server and what we should watch for. That's Adam Camrus. Adam is the CEO and co-founder of Logical, which operates ServeNow.com. ServeNow is a trusted network of over 1,000 pre-screened, qualified process servers throughout the U.S. Logical has also created a free software application called Serve Manager, which enables law firms to manage service of process and also get real-time updates from their process-serving vendors. Adam has been involved in legal technology since 1999 and has spoken at many legal conferences throughout the country. So welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. I'm so pleased you could be here. I really enjoyed meeting you at the uh, NALA convention in July. So uh, thanks for taking the time to share your experience and your expertise with us. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. Now, since the, the task of locating a person to serve documents usually falls to paralegals, tell us why it's important to choose the process server carefully. Firstly, it's not easy finding a qualified process server. And one of the challenges is that most jurisdictions do not require licensing. So it's hard to figure out who you're getting 
And you have to remember that a lot of work goes into service of process. It's a small piece of the litigation process, but a lot goes into actually getting that paper served. And if you hire the wrong server, you can experience costly delays and or risk your case being dismissed. And there's currently an issue going on in New York where potentially over 100,000 default judgments are in jeopardy of being overturned predominantly because the wrong process server was used and they didn't properly serve those papers. I read about that case, Adam. It's it's my understanding that they said they served everything and they really didn't do it. Uh, they did. It's, it's a terminology called sewer service. And the incentives were misaligned. The law firms were, were or, or, well, these were predominantly debt collection papers. And the process server agreed to serve them at a very, very low rate. And the incentives were misaligned. They couldn't physically uh, do their job, go serve those papers while still making a, a, a profit margin to cover their expenses. Right. Well, what is the the best method for locating a reputable process server? So, Vicki, here's where I have some, some personal bias based on what we do. Uh, but just like the Internet is a wonderful resource for garnering information about any subject and it's up to the minute and, and, and easily accessible, we think the, the Internet is a great place to go. And on top of that, though, you want to take it a little step further in terms of using and finding a trusted, and here's the bias, finding a trusted network of qualified service providers. Another great method would be a referral from another paralegal you know, within your firm or another colleague from another firm. However, you still want to make sure that you're always doing your due diligence and Wherever you're getting that firm from, you want to make sure that you're looking into them and, uh, and getting as much information as you can about this. You know, I say this because when you're hiring and looking for a service provider, again, this is a small portion of the litigation process, but you hire the wrong server and there's, there can be significant cost to that. And I look at the worst case scenario in terms of what happens if you're not getting your papers back, your phone calls or emails aren't being answered. Where do you turn? Do you have someone to, re, uh, to turn to? Is there any recourse? And if you get that recommendation of, oh, you know, we use so-and-so, and if there's no recourse or no one to turn to, well, then so-and-so or, or, or let's just say XYZ process stops answering your calls, you're out of luck. Uh, and so that's why I suggest finding a firm that's affiliated with associations, that's a member of a trusted network where you have somebody else that you can call. On top of that, and again, here's some biases that serve now. We've taken that a little step further. And if you go to our website, you can see what we think are some of the uh, initial pieces you should be looking for in terms of trust when you're validating a server. And we have these badges that our members can put next to their name. And those badges have to do with, do they have E&O insurance? Uh, do they have a website? And, and these are what we think, you know, real firms, and not all of them have it. There are real and legitimate firms that don't have this, but this is sort of the start of the credentialing. Do they have E&O insurance? Do they have a website? Uh, do they have some sort of service guarantee or outline the terms of their service um, if they accept credit cards? And there's also another badge for recommendations. And these are all things that you can do and see just by going and looking at the, the process servers that are on our website. Well, I know it's always a problem for me. I don't, I don't have problems locally, but if I, you know, I'm in Michigan. When I want to serve someone in, in California, I'm lost. So I don't know what I would do without uh, being able to go to your website and, and check on that. But when I 
find a process server, you know, what questions should I ask before actually hiring them? We're always looking at this as the worst case scenario. And sometimes we suggest uh, overly doing your due diligence and just because we've seen and heard about some of the worst case scenarios. And this may sound a little bit like overkill because you're in a busy law firm. You just want to get these papers out. You just want to get them served and move on to your next matter. Uh, That said, we suggest that and this is regardless of where you find them, you verify a license uh, if that state or jurisdiction requires it, and most don't. Uh, but some will have uh, re- require registration in that area, and if, if they do require registration, you want to try and validate it. You want to ask about their background, find out how many years they've been in, in, in business, their, their prior experience. As I mentioned before, do they have E&O insurance? Are they bonded? Do they have an incorporation? Uh, what affiliations are, are they a part of or organizations? Are they uh, a member of the Better Business Bureau? You want to check their website and, and see what information is on there. One of the things we suggest that, that, that law firms do is, and this is pretty simple, is do a quick search in Google for the company name uh, plus the keyword complaint or reviews. So you can see if there's any negative reviews about that firm, and certainly obviously positive as well, but if there are any negative reviews about they're not getting their affidavits back or not, they're not getting phone calls returned. Uh, and then another thing you can do is ask for reference, references from them. And, uh, and if you get a reference, it wouldn't hurt to call one or two of them. And, and you know, just by getting them is great, but call them and see if they did a good job and see if they're a real company, if it's a real reference. Well, what, you know, frequently I'll have only one document to serve on one party, but what happens when you have a large volumes of serves to make? What do you look for then? You want to step up your screening and credentialing, and you can do this a number of ways, but we suggest do a test serve and try them. Have them serve. You can have them serve a, a colleague or another firm or a friend, uh, but try them out and see, and and maybe not the first time around, but you know, even as you're using them, if you have volume, also give them sample scenario, scenarios in terms of what ifs or what would you do? You go to a you go knock on a door and they're not home, then what? Or and you go at eight in the morning and they're not home, then what? Or ask them hypotheticals that might be relevant to the service. Most importantly, you want to get an agreement that uh, outlines the terms of the relationship. So it's very, very clear uh, their responsibility and their obligation and, and, and how the relationship is going to, uh, how the re- relationship is going to be handled. Okay, well, I'm assuming that process servers have different charges for their service, you know, such as what they would charge for a rush job as opposed to a non-rush job. So what should we look for in that, uh, in that scenario? So servers have uh, – so firstly, let me back things up for a second. With, with the ServeNow network, you're going directly to that local server within that area, and all of our process-serving members set their own fees uh, and service levels. So typically, there, there are three levels of service that we typically see throughout the country. Uh, the first one is standard and uh, it, standard is we, we typically see anywhere from 40 to $70 for standard service, and that usually includes three attempts. And the first attempt is made within four to seven days. Uh, 
The next level is a rush service, and there's going to be an increase in that fees, but it varies by every firm. Uh, and that first attempt is usually going to go out within 48 hours. That's sort of typical. Uh, and then same day is that third level of service. Obviously, there's going to be an additional increase fee. And what that means is, as long as it's reasonably possible, meaning if they're not get, if they're getting that paper at uh, you know at the end of the day, it may be hard for them to get that service out that same day. But that first attempt is made within that day, and there there are typically going to be deadlines in terms of when that paper has to be received. But that's going to be the uh, those are the typical three levels of service that you're going to see, and you're going to see an increase in fees uh, starting from standard going up from to rush and then to same day. You you also though you want to be clear in this process about asking them the number of attempts that they're going to get. Um, if there are additional fees, because everyone has their own concept of what their pricing should be. And some firms charge mileage. Some firms, uh, they give you a flat rate. Some will charge you for filing or what happens if there's a bad address. You want to ask these questions so that you know. Are they including court filing? Will you get a digital and original copy of the affidavit if they're not filing it? Um, you want to make sure that the processing firm understands your deadlines and your court dates. And again, as I mentioned before, certainly with the high volume service, uh, but you want to put this in an email and confirm it all in, in writing so that there's a clear understanding of what level of service you're getting and what you're going to be paying for that service. So if you give them a bad address, do they usually, is it common practice that they'll look for a new address for you or do they just say we've got a bad address and can't? take care of it. So that's something that, again, at the onset, you want to you want to discuss with the process serving firm at the beginning. What happens if this is a bad address? Will you go back? Um, can you skip trace or can you do a locate? Is there going to be a fee for that? Uh, typically, and if you outline that at the onset, this is what's going to happen if we have a bad address. These are going to be the fees associated with it. Then they don't have to go back to you if there is. Uh, but you know, either way, depending on your level, your your comfort level with the firm, you want to outline what's going to happen if if there is a bad address and if they should be contacting you or if you've automatically authorized them to uh, go back, do a locate, or come back to us to see if there's another address that the firm may be able to provide. Okay, and then we usually would deal with them by email. Is that common now? Typical now? A lot of our, a lot of the law firms and a lot of the process serving firms still still like telephone calls, and certainly at the onset, email is more convenient and easier. But you can't always garner everything that you want from from an email, uh, and that's right. why I say at the onset of the relationship, email's great. Email's a wonderful tool. And this is my own personal take. Even though we're a technology company that's streamlining operations, I still like to have a conversation and listen to the firm uh, and, and and understand, get a better sense of what type of firm I'm dealing with. Right. And it's really hard I, to do that with an email. It is. And I, I think when you uh, hear someone's voice, you get a really good feel You know, for it. You just get a better feel for them. Once you, it would almost be like giving a job interview over an email, right? And which would be very, very hard to do. I know you do a lot of training and mentoring on that front, and it would be very hard to garner information. Once you've established rapport and once you've determined that this is the firm you want to work with, email is terrific. 
Okay. You know, I think it would be really smart to put together a checklist of all of the things that you should ask them and then keep that handy for each call that you make. And uh, it, just just to keep it uh, a standard for when you're contacting people mm-hmm. like that. Okay, Adam, it's time to take a quick break now, and we're going to have a word from our sponsors, NALA, Redacted, and Above All Legal. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. This is Kate Kenny at Legal Talk Network, and I'm talking with attorney Brian Manginis, co-founder of Above All Legal, an innovative new online legal job board. Brian, you have a feature on Above All Legal where job seekers can attach a video resume with their profile. Tell us about that. Well, the video resume feature is really emerging technology that will allow a candidate uh, to actually post a video resume of themselves rather than just posting their written resume. Uh, on our site. And this, of course, benefits the employer as well because they can actually view the candidate rather than just relying upon a written resume to determine uh, the suitability of a candidate. So it's a very unique feature. I don't think anyone in the legal space is doing this, and uh, we're very excited about it. We've been talking to attorney Brian Manginis, co-founder of Above All Legal. Check it out at AboveAllLegal.com. That's AboveAllLegal.com. Are you still redacting paper documents with a black marker and a trip to the copier? Electronic redaction is more efficient, more accurate, and keeps the document text searchable. Redact-It makes it easy. Instantly search documents for words, names, or common privacy information like social security numbers. The software automatically creates a new rendition of the document as TIFF or searchable PDF, leaving the original safely untouched. Download a free 15-day trial of Redact-It desktop today at www.redact.com. That's R-E-D-A-C-T dot com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and our topic today is service of process with our guest, Adam Cameras of Logical. So, Adam, there have been a lot of technological advances that should result in lower costs for service of process, at least I hope so. So what software should we be sure the process server is using? You know, Vicki, that's a great question. And uh, in theory, yes, there, there are a number of technological advances that have driven down the cost of service of process. Uh, however, before I get into the software and the technological components, uh, I, I want to say that there are unfortunately a number of other costs uh, that have driven up the cost. and and. Throughout the country, we see fees on the rise, and a huge contributor are, are gas prices and wages uh, and overhead and employment. And in process service, we see a shift. This used to be an industry that was comprised of a lot of mom and pops and sole practitioners, and now there are 
larger firms and organizations uh, with real infrastructure. Uh, and all of those costs are increasing. And where I am in California, gas is $4 a gallon. And it's, it's obviously been on the rise. And at the end of the day, somebody still has to get in their vehicle and go and deliver these papers and sometimes multiple times or make multiple attempts. So costs are unfortunately on the rise, uh, but they're, it's been offset to some degree based on these technological advancements. And when you look at software, there are a, a number of software solutions that are out there uh, that specifically focus on the process serving industry. And the servers that are offering software, they should be including a, a number of features that you should be looking for. And again, they're all about uh, convenience and efficiency. And your clients, meaning the law firm clients, are asking for efficiency. And, uh, and how can you transfer that and pass along? Well, software for process serving can certainly help. Some of the things that you should be asking for from your servers are uh, a detailed job history that's uh, electronically stored, uh, you know, reminders and alerts, uh, as I just mentioned, electronic updates, so that you don't have to pick up the phone and call. You don't have to wait for that email to come. Uh, secure electronic document sharing. Uh, job, job archival. And, and certainly 24-7 web access. And the theory behind that is you get the call from the law, from the lawyer at nine o'clock on a Friday night, and they want to know they're still working and they want to know what's the status of this case. You don't have to drive back into the firm to go pull that file and look it up. From any internet connected device, you can go in and see, oh, here's what's transpired. Yes, it's been served. Here are all the details. And by the way, you can log in here yourself and, and see all everything that's transpired with regards to that service. Okay, then what are the red flags that we should be looking for? Once you've hired a server, it's most importantly a breakdown in communication. And this, the, a professional ser server and a qualified server should be managing your expectations in terms of communication at the onset. And the firm should be proactive. Uh, and to be clear, what I mean by this is don't go into panic mode if your haven't had a response back if they said we were going to make our first attempt within four to seven days and it's day eight and you haven't heard from them, I wouldn't go into panic mode and, and, and start wondering, you know, firing off 20 emails or 20 phone calls to find out what's going on. This is service of process. This is a, uh, you know, th this takes time and there is no specific way in which this gets done. You have to physically go out there find the location, find the party, and serve those papers. Uh, and so we see the biggest breakdown in communication. And so you certainly want to be on it. Your expectations should be managed. But you want to look for if your phone calls or emails are not being answered or responded to, uh, if there are errors that are on your affidavits, if they're dated incorrectly, if the server is missing deadlines or anticipated deadlines, if they've missed a filing, uh, huge red flag is if your affidavit, and one of the most important and blatant is if your affidavit's not received, where's my affidavit? And those are the most important things you want to be looking for. You know, there's something else I just thought of. Uh, you know, these process servers have to deal with people who don't want to be served, and, and that takes extra time, too. 
uh, evading service is one of the many obstacles and barriers to service. And you're absolutely right that that happens all the time where uh, they are going to serve a, a residence and they ask, they know that service is coming and they evade service. And that's where there can be uh, additional work and additional time that has to go into affecting service. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that I, I and I've run into this with uh, a local process server, and that was, uh, you can't just serve anyone, you have to serve the party. So you need to be dealing with someone who understands exactly what has to be served. So they do, do need, you know, some training, some, uh, they can't just hire someone off the street and tell them to go out and deliver papers. So th- then I do have another question. You know, we talked about volume service before. Are there red flags to watch for when you're dealing with that? So if you look at what transpired in New York, they've given us a lot of indicators in terms of what to pay attention to. And with volume, again, the consequences are are far greater. So you want to be even more diligent. Some of the things to look for are if the mileage is too far apart. And that was one of the things that happened in New York, where there was a server that was essentially driving 4,000 miles a day. And you and I both know that it is impossible (laughs) Right. Drive 4,000 miles a day. And, and that was one of the things when they started adding up the mileage and the distance on the affidavit, they realized that same server was in multiple places at the same time. Uh, that's a big red flag. Making sure that the signatures match on the affidavits, meaning if the same server is serving multiple papers for you, make sure that that's a, 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 an identical signature, a very, very similar signature on those affidavits. Because if it's not, that means maybe someone else is signing those affidavits. If the times are too close together, uh, and that also ties into the mileage, if they were at at 5 o'clock, they served a paper in one location, and then five minutes later at a place 50 miles away. Uh, Another thing is 100% success rate. It's It's just not realistic when you're doing volume. And anyone who tells you that it is, it's... Uh, is potentially not always uh, giving you accurate information. There are going to be parties that you are just not going to be able to serve. Uh, and so you have to be realistic on what that expected service rate. If someone says 100%, it's pretty hard to do that. So, at Adam, uh, one other thing that we hear a lot about is electronic service. So do you have any tips or information for us regarding that? Yep. Electronic service is, is, is already being done on some level. Uh, however, there are a number of legal and logistical challenges. Um, electronic service is going to be very, very important to pay attention to, and, and we encourage all of the ServeNow members uh, to pay attention to it and, and embrace the technological change. Uh, the process server's role is to be a disinterested third party in every case and, and really ensure that proper and actual notice to litigants about their court dates, uh, about their court dates is occurring. And that's where there's an opportunity for the process server to participate. And while there, we're not close to e-serving being a widespread practice, this is going to be really important to pay attention to moving forward and, and see how it uh, evolves. Now, Adam, uh, at times I've just called a, a sheriff to do, the, uh, to do the service for me. Why, why is that not a good idea? So we recently conducted a study about uh, sheriffs versus process servers, and it was pretty interesting. We get a lot of calls from firms that 
have used sheriffs and haven't had a great experience, and that's why they've turned a, turned their their service over to a professional process server. We're going to be publishing that study pretty soon, which I'd love to share uh, with with the with your network and with the organization. Uh, but really, the the sheriffs and some of them do a great job, but the incentives aren't there. They are busy with many other tasks. They're a, a publicly uh, run organization, and you're not always going to get the answers to your questions. They're not going to be af- able to affect service. They're just not incentivized to do it. Uh, and it'll be interesting to share some of these studies with you uh, about what we found specifically to that. We get a lot of firms and calls from people that were formerly using them and, and want to use a professional process server. So do you have any other tips for us before we go, um, before we say goodbye? Sure. So when you're going out and looking for a server, ideally you want to try and find someone that's local. And a local company is, is, is and there are lots of firms that cover a whole state or a region, uh, and they do a great job of doing that. But finding a local server can sometimes be a little bit more efficient, not always, uh, but they're essentially closer to the service, they'll have a little better lay of the land. Like I said, there are many firms we work with that have coverage within a whole state or multiple state, and they do a great job uh, of doing that. And sometimes there are firms that need that. They have serves all over a region, uh, but it, local can certainly be beneficial. Another point is don't only send your don't send your only copy of the papers to them. Uh, if you have to send them originals, at the very least, make sure you have a duplicate. We're always looking at the worst case scenario, and making sure that you're having a backup uh, and covering your bases is important. Make sure that you're providing detailed service instructions, including your preferred method for updates. In terms of, do you want to get those electronically via the software uh, or email or, or fax or phone? How do you want to get those updates? This is really important, and this is some of the shift, and I think it's contributed to some of the challenges that have occurred uh, in these states where you're getting uh, cases overturned because of bad process service. And just like in life, with service of process, you get what you pay for. And as I mentioned, with gas at $4 a gallon, you have to, and and all the overhead that goes into running a firm, you have to look at that and say, can that firm make a living at the fees in which they're quoting me? And can they really affect service at that rate? And you get what you pay for. So as I mentioned earlier, we typically, for standard service, we typically see $45 to $70 for three attempts throughout the country. Some are going to be lower. Some are going to be higher. Don't just look at the price and go based on the lowest price provider. Do your due diligence and research and make sure you find a quality firm because if you're just shopping on price, you may not find the firm that's going to properly get that done. Okay. Well, you had some great information for us today and and answered a lot of the questions that I've always had about process service. So, Adam, if our listeners want more information about you and Logical, how could they find that? Uh, so with regards to process servers, they can go visit our website, which is at www.servenow.com, um, or they can call our toll-free number, toll-free 877-737-8366. Okay. Well, Adam, I appreciate your being here today, and I'm assuming I'll see you at the NALA convention in Omaha. Definitely will, and thanks for having me.
You're welcome. Bye now. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. Going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back. Want to stay in touch with the Legal Talk Network and get our shows automatically? RSS provides home delivery. You don't have to remember where to click. The good stuff comes right to you automatically and free. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and hit the RSS button at the top of the page. It says our podcast feeds. Now you'll be all set. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time when Lynn and I usually give our practice tips and social media tips. One thing I want to tell you is that I am so relieved because the book I'm co-authoring with Charles E. Smith-Diaz, the book is The Paralegal Professional, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success, is in the final editing phase. We've picked the cover and it should be available by January. So we've Really, it's taken a long time, but it's been a very exciting project. My practice tip for today is when you're preparing documents for litigation, be sure you have the correct names of the person or the entity that you're naming as the defendant or the defendants. It's really, really important. Now, you may have been provided with those names when you were assigned the work, but don't trust that information. Be sure that you perform your independent research. It's particularly important when you're suing a corporation. I live in Michigan, so I would search those records at the state's website on the corporation for the corporation division's website. Uh, so I would go to the corporation's division page. Locate the place where you can find that information is your in your state, so that you have it, uh, you know, ahead of time. So when you're ready to do the work, you know how to get the information. And I want to tell you that you're also going to get a lot of information at that site. That would include the name of the registered agent and the address of the registered office of the corporation. And you're going to need all of that when you send these documents for service. That's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Vicki Voison thanking all of you for joining me today and reminding you to be sure to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.